Now, I'm going to start this morning by giving you guys some real talk, okay? I'm going to give you guys some real talk here for a sec. I joined Instagram about two and a half years ago. All right, told you, real talk. I joined Instagram about two and a half years ago, and I love it. It's my favorite social media channel. I have a lot of fun with it. And around the time that I joined, Amber and I knew that we were going to be moving to Calgary. And so I was like, you know what? I need to follow some Canadians. I need to see some Canadian photos. I need to see some Canadian Instagrammers. And so I need to follow some of those guys up north. And so uh, I happened to find this guy who I blocked out his Instagram. Info, and I'll tell you why in just a sec. Um, I found this guy. He's from Montreal. And I was like, oh, that's Canada. I mean, I didn't realize that you didn't count them as Canada, but it's okay. They don't count themselves as Canada either. I don't know. All right. So he's from Montreal. And when I joined Instagram, we had right around the same number of followers. He had, you know, a few dozen more than I did, but it was about the same. And so I was like, oh, cool. We're basically at the same place. He had a lot more pictures, but he had about the same number of followers. And he's a good photographer. And so I was like, cool, I'm going to follow this guy. I'll learn a little bit about Canada and enjoy his pictures. He followed me back. And so we'd be liking each other's stuff as we posted throughout the week and things like that. Now, here's the deal. We started with the same number of followers, and then two years later, I don't know what happened. I don't know how this came about, okay? But I'm working to crack 600, and I don't know if you can quite make it out there on the screen, but your boy now has 19,000 followers. And I checked. He didn't buy them. These are legit. These are actual people who were following his pictures. Color me, hashtag jealous, all right? Like, I'm like, seriously, how can he gain that many followers in two years. Like, come on, seriously, that's completely bonkers. I should be able to get over a grand without any trouble at all. By the way, that's at Dan Sueza, if you guys want to check it out. Anyway, so like, I'm so jealous of this guy. I really am. I'm just, I, I look at his feed and I'm like, man, you're such a good photographer and it gets under my skin and I blurred out his information so you wouldn't go follow him and make the gap bigger. And so I do these, I'm serious, you guys, you're past isn't always healthy, okay? I do these weird metrics in my head where I'm like, okay, okay, okay. He's got 30 times the number of followers that I do, but each individual picture only gets like six or eight times as many likes as mine does. So on a per follower basis, people like my pictures more. How ridiculous is that? Come on. There is something significantly and seriously wrong with that. Why am I acting like I'm in competition with a guy I've never met in a hobby I don't get paid for? It doesn't make any sense at all. I know it's stupid. I know it's dumb. I know it makes no sense. But I find myself feeling those feelings as I look through Instagram. Now, look, please don't sit there and act as though you don't compare yourself to the people around you. You might not compare yourself based on likes and retweets, okay? That might not be your thing, but you're comparing on some level using some metric. Let's be honest. You're comparing the square footage of your house to your brother's house. You're like, oh, you have 1,600. <laughs> That's cute. You're comparing, you're comparing dress sizes. You're comparing logos on sunglasses. Who's got what and is mine better than theirs? Yeah, you are. You're comparing paychecks. You're comparing families. You're comparing vacations. 
You're comparing the fact that your neighbor has a, a freshly shoveled driveway and you've got a mini ice rink in front of your house. And you're comparing. You're wondering why your husband isn't out there chipping ice and shoveling snow. You're comparing every single day. You compare your prime minister to their president. All right, we'll walk on past that one. You compare your iPhone 5 to their iPhone 7. And you wonder, why can't I have that? We compare constantly using any sort of metric or standard under the sun. If it exists, people have found a way to compare themselves to the others around them according to that standard. It is so normal, but it's not healthy. You're not any different for doing it than I am or everybody else in our world. But gosh, I wonder if living that sort of life of comparison isn't in some way destructive to our souls, isn't in some way destructive to our goal of becoming a happy, healthy, and whole person. Now, here's the thing. Apparently, people have been doing this forever. Like going way back, this isn't a modern phenomenon. This isn't something that just started recently. I'm going to put some verses up here on the screen, and I think you're going to find these interesting, if nothing else. These verses were written almost 3,000 years ago. A really, really long time ago, a very smart man started writing down some observations that he saw regarding the world. And he had a lot of money. He had a lot of power. He got to experience a lot of different things. And so he started a diary about everything he learned in life. That diary is called the book of Ecclesiastes. And in that book, chapter number four, the verses are here on the screen for you. We're going to read verses four through six. The scripture says... This man observed, he says, then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. And he quotes a proverb here. And he says, sure, fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. Meaning like you got to work, you got to, you know, try to succeed in life. That's true. And yet he says in verse six, He quotes another proverb, it is better to have one handful with quietness or with peace than to have two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Hey, I gave you some real talk about my life and some of the things I deal with. Old Solomon here in the book of Ecclesiastes, he's giving you some real talk on the world that we live in. He says, he's observed, and you know you've seen this too. You've seen it in your own heart. You've seen it in your neighbor's. You've seen it in your coworkers, in your family. Most people are motivated to succeed because they envy the people around them. If you don't believe me, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a conversation where there were several people gathered around a table and one of them starts talking about how busy they are? Oh, it's just been a hectic week. You know, I have this going on and the kids have their practices and my husband's out of town and I'm doing this and this and this and this. And then somebody else is like, oh, I feel you. This is what's going on in my life. And they start telling how busy they are. And then the next person's like, oh, you guys don't even understand. I wish I was that busy. And so they start telling how busy. And pretty soon you realize that everybody in the conversation is just trying to convince themselves that they are the busiest, that they're winning as if that busyness is like some sort of way of proving that you're ahead of everybody else. It makes no sense. And yet every one of us have seen those things take place around us. 
Because we live in a world where we think we are in competition with every other person around us. We have this tendency to look to our left and to look to our right in order to figure out how well we're doing in life. Am I okay? Am I doing a good job? Am I a good dad? Well, compared to him, I am, but not so much compared to him. We look to the left and we look to the right in order to figure out how well we're doing. And so often we're motivated to succeed because we're jealous of what we see in other people's lives around them. So often the goals, the New Year's resolutions that we make, those are really about impressing the people around us. They're not even about trying to make our lives better. We tell ourselves that they're about making our lives better, but they're actually about keeping up with the Joneses. They're actually about trying to be perceived as having it all together. So you might say, my resolution this year, my goal is to lose weight, to get in shape, because I need to be healthy. That's why I'm doing this. I need to be healthy. Let's be honest, bro. You're losing weight. You're getting healthy because, you know, no girl wants to marry a guy who looks like he spent the last three years in mama's basement playing Minecraft, all right? That's really what's going on. We tell ourselves it's because we want to be healthy because that's more noble. But in reality, we're trying to compete. We're trying to be seen as successful. You say, I need to get organized. You know, my life is so chaotic and crazy, so I'm going to get organized because that will be good for my mental health. Maybe that's true. But let's not ignore the fact that your sister is always looking down her nose at you. She's acting like she's got her life all together and yours is a hot mess. Solomon, 3,000 years ago, said that people are motivated to succeed primarily because they envy the others around them. We look to our left, we look to our right, and we judge, we gauge how well we're doing based on those folks around us. Now, you might think to yourself, eh, maybe that's not such a big deal, right? Like, who cares what our motivation to change is as long as we change? Maybe that's the important thing. But I've got to tell you, and you know this is true, I want you to understand that comparison is corrosive. Comparison is corrosive. When you live your life trying to determine whether or not you're succeeding or failing based on the people around you, it is unhealthy for your soul. It is unhealthy for your self-esteem. It is unhealthy in helping you become the person that you hope to be. Comparison is corrosive to your mind and to your soul. Let me tell you why. Because when you look to your left and you find people who are quote unquote better at you or better than you at different things, when you find people who are doing better you aren't always motivated like, oh, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to succeed. No, you end up feeling condemned. Like you're not quite as good as they are. Like you are not achieving or you're not successful at their level. And so you feel bad about yourself. You feel bad about your situation. And it's because you've chosen this arbitrary, awkward standard of the person beside you. So you look at them and you're like, oh man, you know, their paycheck is bigger than mine. I'm losing here somehow. 
They're doing better. You look at their son and he just got his master's degree and your son's still sitting in the basement playing Minecraft, right? Like you just, you judge yourself based on these people around you. And when you find people who are quote unquote more successful, then you feel bad about what you have and what you've accomplished with your life. That's unhealthy and it's unfortunate. Because when you compare yourself to other people like that, you forget that you're comparing your typical to their best. That's how we work. We compare our average to their highlights, right? So we look at their Instagram pictures and we're like, man, their life just, it looks awesome. They look like they've got it all together and dang, his wife looks good. And wow, he makes a lot of money and seems to be a great father. And we're comparing, but the weird thing is we're not even comparing to reality, you know? If you were to get a hold of her phone and you were to open it up and then open the photos app, you would see that she didn't just happen to snap that perfect photo with all the golden sunlight and the great smile. No, you would find 37 other pictures where she's trying to hide her double chin. You know what I mean? Like she's taking, and then she dropped a filter on it that softened out the wrinkles. Guys, do you understand that you're comparing yourself unfavorably to someone something, a lifestyle, a family that doesn't even exist. Their marriage is not that happy. Their husband doesn't have it all together. Their home costs them a fortune and they're barely able to make the payments. See, you compare your average to their highlights and of course you're gonna come out worse for the comparison. Then there are other issues with that. There are other problems as well, because there's a tendency for the world to change what makes sense and what gives you validation, what's cool, what's success. All of those things change with time. And so you're comparing yourself to this person thinking, okay, I'm successful because I'm keeping up with them. But you know what happens? Culture comes along and they change the definition of success. They change what a good mother does and doesn't do. They change what a great husband does and doesn't do. All of that changes. And you're left thinking, wow, I just spent two, three, 15 years pursuing some idea of success. And now all of a sudden the world around me is telling me that I've been pursuing the wrong thing. One of my favorite shows in the world is The Simpsons. I love The Office most, Simpsons second most, and then Friends after that, just so you know, okay? There's this amazing quote from The Simpsons where Grandpa Simpson says something that I resonate with so much. We're going to put it here on the screen for you. I love this quote, and this is the way too many of us feel when we compare. He says, I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. And now what I'm with isn't it. And what's it seems weird and scary to me, and it'll happen to you too. We compare ourselves to a lifestyle, to a family, to a person that doesn't exist. And then if we ever get close, things change, and suddenly we're not even pursuing the right thing anymore. Oh, it's so unhealthy for us to compare ourselves to every single person around. So here's the thing. You're going to compare on the left, and you're going to find people who are better than you. 
So then you're gonna go looking for somebody who's a little bit worse because you felt bad about yourself. So now you need to feel good about yourself. So you're gonna go find somebody and you're gonna say, hmm, it's his third marriage. Yikes. Yikes. You're gonna say things like, your son didn't make the team. I am so sorry. He should have. And inside you're like, yes. It's one more spot for my kid, right? You compare yourself to people who are better and you feel condemned. You compare compare yourself to people who are worse and then you start to feel complacent. You're like, okay, I'm doing pretty well. I'm good. I've got my life together. Everything seems to be going according to plan. That's why the, the writer in the book of Ecclesiastes He says about this life of comparison, he says it's like chasing the wind. Can you imagine, can you wrap your mind just around that that idea, that picture? Like if the wind is blowing and you're trying to run outside and grab a handful of it, are you ever going to be successful? No, how could you? It's impossible. And even if you could somehow use a bed sheet to harness the wind, guess what? There will always be more wind blowing through. You'll never be able to catch it. And I'm telling you, if you live a life in which your validation, your success, your self-esteem is measured by the people on your left and the people on your right, you're chasing the wind. You will never find satisfaction that way. If you are motivated to change because of what you see, because you need to be seen in a certain way, you will never be satisfied. You'll never have your fill. It is like chasing the wind. If you read Ecclesiastes 4, just two verses later, Uh, Solomon summarizes this whole thing, and this is what he says. I love it. He says in Ecclesiastes chapter number four, verse eight, about this whole lifestyle of comparison, he says, this is all meaningless and depressing. And that's about right. I think that's a pretty accurate and adequate description of that sort of life. Now, we didn't get to show you the video today, but our, our fact for this morning The fact that changes the way that we change is this. Life is not a competition. It's a calling. It is not a competition between you and everybody else. It is a calling to something much deeper, something much richer, something that is ultimately satisfying. Let me show you these verses. Hebrews chapter number 12, verses one and two. Some of you may be familiar with this passage. In Hebrews chapter number 12, verses one and two, the scripture uses a metaphor, kind of likens our life. And it says this, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Hey, we have this tendency to live life in comparison to everybody around us. And remember, that sort of comparison is corrosive. It's corrosive to your relationships. It's corrosive to your mind. It's corrosive to your soul. This passage says that your life is like a race that God has marked out for you to run. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, wait, 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 wait. Okay, 
I'm not in competition with everybody else, and yet God says my life is like a race. And what is a race except a competition? Come on, Dan. Like, use some basic critical thinking skills here. All right. I want you to notice a couple of things about this passage. I want you to notice a few words that are used that hopefully will flip the way that you understand Hebrews chapter number 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. Notice, first of all, that it says this race requires endurance. Okay? So this is not a sprint. The race that we're talking about here that God calls us to live is not a sprint. Sprints are all about competition. They're all about speed. It's all about just edging out the guy in the lane next to you. That's what a sprint is. But it says this race is not a sprint. It's an endurance race. It's a marathon. It's lifelong. It takes some patience It takes some tenacity. It takes some willingness to stick with it, even if you aren't accomplishing everything you want to right away. You know, there are people who run marathons and they run them for no other purpose than to finish. Like there are lots of people who run competitively and they run to win, but the vast majority of people that enter any marathon you will ever see are simply there to complete it because not everybody who runs a marathon or an endurance race is able to complete it. Nobody enters a sprint that way, right? Nobody's like, okay, it's 100 meters. I hope I finish. Nobody, everybody's gonna finish that race. There are so many people that never finish the endurance race, that never finish the marathon. They give up. They don't understand that this is something that I'm gonna have to stick with for quite a while before I cross the finish line. You see, an endurance race is not about competition. It's about completion. An endurance race is not about um, uh, winning. It's about finishing. And that's the sort of race that God says you're in. Now, I also want you to notice this passage says this particular race God has marked out and set in front of you. That means that the race, your life that you're living is yours and not anybody else's. The race that God gives you is yours. That means that the people you're comparing yourself to, they didn't start in the same place that you did. So how can you know who's really winning? They're not going to end in the same place as you. So how do you know who's finished first? In fact, if you understand this correctly, what it's saying is that everybody else around you that you're comparing yourself to, they're not even running the same race as you are. You're running your race, what God has laid out for you. And your race might involve being a business owner or a mother of six kids or a divorcee. It could be any one of those things. God has given you a race. Your job is to complete, to finish, not to compete with every other person around you. That's why comparison is corrosive. Because you're comparing yourself as if you were in competition and God says, I didn't call you to compete. I didn't call you to try to win at their expense. I want you to imagine a lady who's running a marathon through the city. This is the way ladies run, I guess. And so she's running. I'm just kidding. Every one of you women in here could beat me in a foot race. So um, let's imagine this lady who's running in a marathon. It's a street race. And her, her route takes her past a high school football field. 
and she sees the players on the field and they're running their 100-yard sprints at the end of practice. It would be so foolish for that woman to judge how successful she is in her marathon based on how quick or slow she is compared to the football players because they're not running the same race. It's something totally different. Guys, your coworkers are not running your race. It's something totally different. You're trying to gain your dad's approval. Guess what? He's running a different race. You weren't called to compete against his expectations. You were called to follow after Jesus, to run the race that your heavenly father has laid out in front of you. Comparison, competition. Oh, it is so harmful to your soul because either you're going to feel great about how you compare or you're going to feel horrible about how you compare. So don't get caught up in trying to run the race with everybody alongside of you. Instead, focus on running the race that God, Jesus, has laid out in front. In, in verse number two, the passage kind of points us to what we're supposed to be doing in this race. Because you might think to yourself, all right, I'm not in competition with anybody. So what's the point, right? If you're a competitive person, you're like, there's no other reason to do something like run a race, all right? If you look in verse number two, it gives us the key. It gives you what you need to know to run your race well. It says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Not keep your eyes on the guy running next to you. Not keep your eyes on the girl who's fallen behind so you feel a little bit better. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the champion, who originates and perfects the race that you're running. That's your job. Not to compete, but to complete. Not to win, but to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. In fact, your race, frankly, is unwinnable, just so you know. You could run your race as perfectly as you possibly could. You could shave off every second, so to speak, and you still wouldn't win. The scripture says Jesus is the champion. He's already been crowned. He's already won your race. He lived the life that you couldn't live. He didn't look to the left and look to the right and wonder how he compared. He didn't live for the validation of all the insecure people in his world. Instead, he stayed focused on following God in a way that you and I never will. And so he doesn't call us then to do what he did. Instead, he says, just follow after me. You don't have to run a perfect race. I already ran the perfect race for you. I'm the champion. I'm the winner. All you have to do is follow. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let him tell you whether you're being successful or not. And that doesn't mean don't accomplish anything. We've talked about this. It doesn't mean don't try or any of that silliness. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, if you let him tell you whether or not you're living a successful life, whether or not you're being a good mother, whether or not you are a person who's worthy of respect and admiration, if you let the validation come from the one who's won the race, you will be much happier, much more satisfied than trying to gain it from other people who were trying to run the race right alongside of you. Folks, you were not created to keep up with the Kardashians. It's not your job. Your job is to follow in the footsteps of the champion Jesus Christ, who conquered the race that we could not win, who saved us from our propensity to find our validation and acceptance from the world around us. That's the race that you've been called to run. And it's one that every single one of us can 
complete. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna wrap up here with a few questions for you. And I'll be honest with you, these are uncomfortable questions. I'm sorry, it's my job to kind of, you know, stir you up a little bit sometimes. And so I wanna ask you these four questions. And if you're answering yes to any of these questions, then I just want you to consider that maybe, just maybe, you're living your life as if you're in competition, not as following, following a calling from Jesus. All right, steal yourself, gird your loins. <laughs> Question number one, what am I using? What or who am I using as my reference point to tell me I'm okay? It could be any number of things under the sun. It might be the number of zeros in your bank account. It might be how well your mom did and you're trying to measure up. It might be your neighbors. It might be any number of things, but I want you to be honest about who or what you're using as your reference point to tell you you're okay. For most of us, it's not gonna be Jesus. It's gonna be our spouse, or it's gonna be our boss, or it's gonna be what our kids think of us. And if we can confront that and acknowledge that, then it'll go a long way towards helping us overcome it. So in the interest of like transparency, I want you guys to know this is something I do myself on the reg, you guys. I judge myself at this stage in my life based on how well this church is doing. Am I being successful? Are people showing up? Do they laugh at the jokes? Do they return? Do they give? I'm not in competition. I'm not in competition with City Life, the church is launching in Vancouver that we just prayed for. If they do better than me, wonderful. I'm not in competition with the church on the other side of town that's struggling. I don't get to look at that and say, ha, 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 at least we're not like that. No, I'm not called to compete. I'm called to follow Jesus. Now, look, if I can acknowledge that in a room full of people, you can acknowledge to yourself who or what you're using as your reference point to tell you you're okay. Just be honest about it. Question number two, are you allowing what other people have to keep you from enjoying what you have. See, if you're comparing and you're so focused on their house that you forget you've got a good house, you're so focused on their husband, you forget that you've got a pretty good husband. You're so focused on what their kids accomplish that you forget that your kids are wonderful and you should love and cherish and celebrate them too. If you do that, then you are living in competition, not in calling. If you allow what other people have to prevent you from enjoying what you have, you're doing it wrong. Number three, do you secretly celebrate when certain people have setbacks? Not everybody, and you wouldn't say this out loud, but there are just certain people in your life that when they don't get everything their way, you're like, finally, it's about time they understood what I go through on a daily basis. If you are celebrating the setbacks that certain people have, there's a solid chance you're living as if you're in competition with them. And you're not. They can have every good and perfect gift that God wants to send their way. And that will not leave any less good and perfect gifts for God to send your way. 
Remember, they started at a different point than you. They might be further along in their race than you are, or you might be further along than they are. Don't celebrate when somebody has a setback, but instead wrap your arms around them, love them. That's what a church should do. Certainly, that's what you should do as a Christian because you're not in competition. You're following the calling of Jesus on your life. 